Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Bridgewater Church. I'm so glad that you're here. It is great to be able to talk about so many facets of prayer. Have you been digging in deeper in your walk with God? Have you decided to keep knocking and trust God, even though at times it seems like our prayers just bounce off the ceiling? I hope that this series has inspired you, and it reminded me of one of my favorite questions from a writer of long ago, Corey Ten Boom. She asked, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Isn't that great? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? If I was going to update the question, here's what I would say. America may run on Dunkin' Donuts, but we need Jesus to take the wheel. Now, was that kind of corny or what? It probably was. But think about it. We've all seen cars going down the road with that little donut tire, right? And uh, it's one of those things where I, I don't want my life, my prayer life, to be based on a donut tire. I want Jesus to take the wheel. I want Jesus to help me go deeper in my walk with God. And hasn't Thessalonians been a great place for us to just pause and and unpack the different aspects of this verse? In fact, let me let me read it for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18, the apostle Paul said, "Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. I, I am so grateful for that short instructional piece that the Apostle Paul gave us. And we've talked about keep knocking and rejoice always. Keep knocking and pray constantly without ceasing. We've talked about what it means to keep knocking and pray continually. We've talked about all of these components and and to keep knocking and to understand God's will for our lives. But can I do something? Will you give me just a a little bit of room here to do something that I think is essential to close this series. Paul gives a short verse of instruction that comes literally in verse 19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, Do not quench the Spirit. Let me just say it again. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, isn't this interesting? The Apostle Paul starts with all the do's. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Be be obedient to God's will. Be grateful. Be full of thanksgiving. All the do's. But then he, he just slams on the brakes. And he goes, do not quench the Spirit. Wow. I was thinking about this, and sometimes I forget that prayer comes with warnings. 
There's all of these wonderful moments with God where he says, look how I'm going to bless. Look at what I'm going to do when you pray and seek the Lord. Isn't that great about our God? But there comes a moment at times where we just need to give a word of caution. And for the Apostle Paul, when he thinks about prayer, the very next thought that he wants to communicate is a warning. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, I think it's a phrase we don't really understand well, but immediately my mind goes just screaming toward Romans 8, 26 through 27. Here, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, really the, the Christians in Rome. He says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I want you to literally understand this. Prayer is a divine partnership with God, but the Holy Spirit, that other third, one-third of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, is essential to communicate, and boy, this sounds like my life lately, with moans and groans that words cannot express. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever sat before God and just whimpered or moaned or cried out? Can we just get real about it? There's times where I think people, if they were listening to my prayers, they'd say, what is the matter with you? And I would go... I'm just letting the Holy Spirit talk for me. Wow, our God is so personal that the Holy Spirit in us, if we've given our heart and life to Jesus, God's Spirit dwells in us and communicates for us our deepest request and our needs. It's making sense where Paul says, do this, do this, do this, keep knocking, but then he goes, but don't quench the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do. To close out this prayer series for Keep Knocking 2022, I want to talk about the don'ts of quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm actually going to do this by giving you three truths about this, because if you've never heard this, if you've never understood this, this is crucial for every person who wants to have an intimate and active prayer life with, with God. So here's the first truth. Truth number one, keep knocking and don't extinguish the Spirit's fire. Keep knocking and don't extinguish the Spirit's fire. Now, the phrase, do not quench the Spirit, has multiple facets that we're going to look at, peel back the layers. But this first simple uh, insight is so incredible because here is what the Apostle Paul is actually saying to uh, the, the Thessalonians. The word quench in the Greek means to extinguish. 
It means to put out. So are you, are you uh, tracking with me on this? It is possible for us to walk in such a way in this life, to live, is this better, to live our lives in such a way that we're not being a conduit of God's power through the Holy Spirit. We're actually extinguishing God's Spirit in us, even, even as believers, okay? Now, here's how I equate this. I was a Boy Scout, and my Scoutmaster, every time we would go out, if he said it once, he literally said it probably 20 times. Boys, did you extinguish the fire? We're not going to be responsible for a forest fire. Did anybody check? Who checked? We had the water bucket. Is it empty? Did any? And after a while, we're like, yes, his name was Ernie. Yes, Ernie. Yes, we did it. But I thought this was interesting. In National Geographic in 2020, Jeremy Berlin wrote this insight about forest fires and about uh, what it really means to see uh, a fire out of control. And he says, embers may remind you of a campfire's cozy glow, but they're often the most dangerous part of a wildfire. Also known as firebrands, these seeds of combustion are the tiny smoldering pieces of wood, vegetation, and debris sent aloft into the air by wildfires, which this is 2020. In 2020, 5.6 million acres, roughly the size of New Jersey, were completely extinguished and burnt up in the Western United States. Now listen to this. He writes, according to the Insurance Institute for Business and Home, which I didn't even know existed, up to 90% of homes and buildings ignited in a wildfire are lit by embers. Now, oddly enough, I'm going to flip this. If an ember can burn almost 6 million acres of timber, what can happen if we allow the embers of God's Spirit to literally catch fire in us. Are you understanding what he's saying? Don't extinguish. Don't live in such a way that the fire, and often when we hear the word spirit, Holy Spirit, there is this imagery of fire, hearts ablaze. Uh, you'll see even more in a minute where we're, there's this, this burning heat within us that needs to be allowed to burn brightly for God. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three in one is the Trinity. But I want you to actually wrap your mind around this and realize that, and th this is this first truth, we've got to keep knocking and intentionally choose not to extinguish the Holy Spirit's fire as God is growing us, maturing us, 
and wanting to sanctify us. Boy, there's a there's an old word. We ought to hear it more often. The word sanctification means to be set apart. When you and I come to know Jesus as our Savior, God, isn't this a beautiful imagery? He, he picks you up and he goes, set apart. You're mine. I love you. You're, you're my child. I'm well pleased with you. And when that happens, God begins to work in incredible ways. Can I, can I take you to uh, Acts 2, 1 through 4? We're told by Luke, who writes, he's the author of the book of Acts. We're told in chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, these are the disciples of Jesus. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. It, it wasn't tongues of fire, but the best description, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I don't want to get into the, the weeds of how this scripture has been misinterpreted and so many people have tried to use it to, to uh, shore up their own theologies. I want it to be clear. As soon as the Holy Spirit that looked like a fire, a tongue of fire rested, they were emboldened. They were on fire and they were able to go out into the streets of Jerusalem and share the gospel message of Jesus' resurrection in languages, tongues, that they didn't even have. They were known. They were known. They, they, it was just such an eclectic gathering at Pentecost in Jerusalem. And they went out and it amazed people that they heard the message of the gospel and they heard it in their own language. But you know what they also heard and saw? The passion on fire of the Holy Spirit that was blazing brightly. They weren't just embers almost out. They were a roaring fire, and God began to change the world. Clearly, Paul is telling the Thessalonians, don't quench the embers of God's Holy Spirit, but let the Holy Spirit have free reign in us to ignite our hearts. Now, I know that there are going to be times in all of our lives where we're, we're, we're just in shambles. We're struggling. We're moving through. You know, we spend half our days moaning and groaning with words that you know, we, words don't express. But again, and I know this is a lot of scripture, but I want you to hear this. Luke 24, 30 through 32 is a story where two disciples of Jesus are leaving Jerusalem and they're shattered that Jesus has died on the cross. They don't understand the resurrection to come. They don't understand that this was the beginning of the best of the best that God had in his plan. It's so exciting. And they're walking on the Emmaus Road, and Jesus keeps himself from being known to them. And so they come along, and they're all downcast, and they're all downhearted, and they're quenching God's power and spirit in their heart. Jesus comes along, opens up scripture, which is the Old Testament, begins to share with them. Then they're so enthralled. They say to this, this stranger man, come in and eat with us. Listen to this. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Now, it was Jesus. They knew it was Jesus. Listen to this. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures to us? Listen to this first truth. Keep knocking and don't extinguish the Spirit's fire. Keep praying. Don't do anything that would allow God's Spirit to be quenched or extinguished in our hearts. Now, that leads to truth number two, that we've got to take it right on the heels of what we just learned. Here's the second truth. Keep knocking and don't stifle the Spirit's intensity. I told you this was multifaceted, so we're peeling the layers back, right? So this phrase, do not quench the Spirit, is, is also full of this idea that when we don't quench the Spirit, we give God's Spirit the ability to ignite and influence our lives, but we can stifle it. Think of it this way. Uh, We love to burn candles in our house. I don't know if you do. We have all these scents. And we might light three candles. The house smells beautiful. But at night, I take the lid from my wood wick and I put it on. And without oxygen, what happens to the flame? It's stifled. Becomes extinguished. Now, what Paul is literally saying is, do not quench, do not stifle, not only the fire of the Holy Spirit, but the intensity of that fire. Now, can can we switch gears for just a minute? If you have been a, a deep reader of God's Word, you may be thinking, now wait a minute, pastor's talking about the word quench, But I also remember the word grieve. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Can I make this simple? What's the difference? To quench the Spirit's fire is something we do. And when we quench it or extinguish it, and stifle that fire, it literally grieves or makes the Holy Spirit mourn that God is not allowed full control of our lives. So so when I quench the Spirit, that's on me. But when I quench God's Spirit, then my prayer life becomes nothing. It's, It's powerless. And that makes God's spirit moan and groan. Not not for words that we can't express, but out of sadness and brokenness. Okay, here's the second truth. Keep knocking and don't stifle the spirit's intensity. What we have to realize is this. I need you to ask this question. Is there anything in your life right now as a believer as, as a person seeking God. Maybe you don't even realize who God is, but you're trying to figure it out. 
That's beautiful, by the way. Um, is there anything in your life that you're allowing to take place that is extinguishing or stifling this flame of God's Holy Spirit? Is there an attitude? Is there a broken relationship? Um, are you being stubborn about something? Um, have you been completely open to God? Here, here's, here's kind of a, maybe a, a simple uh, example. So we owned a Victorian home, and uh, it, the whole thing needed remodeled when we moved in. It took us 13 years to remodel it, and when we got it done, we moved. Uh, but there was a room on the back side of the house that was our son's room, and I was trying to get it ready to remodel and update. And so I tore the carpet out and realized that there were two very ancient layers of linoleum on the floor. So um, I started ripping it up. And because my schedule was so off and everything else, I started this project like at nine o'clock at night. My son was asleep in another room. And I start this. So it's a beautiful summer night. I've got the window open and Kay walks in, my beautiful wife, and she said, what are you going to do with this flooring? And I said, I'm just going to throw it out the window. Then I heard these words. I'd love to help you. And I said, no, you don't, you don't need to help me. That's all right. She goes, are, are you sure? I would love to be in here and help you get that, you know, broken up and thrown out. I said, no, it's fine. So she left. You know why she left? Because she loved me and left me uh, to myself. And, and, and so then I started wrestling with it. And the later it got and the hotter I got, the more mad I got. And the more mad I got, I had all this linoleum rolled up. And I thought, I got one last piece to shove out the window. And I'm not going to do it the simple way and break it all up. I'm going to do it the hard way and throw it out at once. Just about that time, Kate came down the hallway and she goes, I'm going to go to bed. And she said, are you sure you don't need my help? And I'm like kind of raging at that moment. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't need your help. I don't want your help. And, and so then all of a sudden I had it in my arms. And when I went to pitch it, I pitched all of it in such an angle that I broke the entire window out. So it's midnight. The window's out. Kay's standing in the doorway because I didn't need any help. And I extinguished the power of a loving woman to come alongside me. Now, I'm sure there's no guys who have ever done that. It's just me, I'm sure. But then she looked at me as only she could do. And she goes, well, apparently you didn't need my help. I'm going to bed. I got to be honest, that's probably one of the best illustrations that I know of for this point. When we do not partner, say it with me, when we do not partner with the Holy Spirit, we stifle the Spirit's intensity. We are quenching, extinguishing, we are stifling the Spirit's intensity. In, in fact, I've noticed something today that's bothering me. I think it's recycled from the enemy. It's really bugging me. Uh, among, especially among Christians, this idea that we can vent or just talk 
as much as we want to because it's okay to vent or talk like it means something. Folks, let me, let me say this to you. A lot of people vent or talk when they're quenching and stifling the Holy Spirit so there doesn't have to be any action. Or the only action is what we want to say, what we want to do. And I want to really challenge you on this one. The whole insight that Paul gives in this second truth is we are going to be influenced. Who are we going to let influence us? Is it going to be other people? Is it going to be our own feelings and emotions? Are we just going to vent? Are we just going to talk to other people? I'm watching that posted on Facebook. Like, that's okay. I'm venting. I'm talking. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm letting the whole world know. When are we going to do something in partnership with God that literally changes and removes the, the obstacles in the way so that the Holy Spirit can not only be let free to reign in our lives, but that fire from God can be ignited that changes us before it changes anything else. It's got to change us before it changes anyone. Malachi, Old Testament, chapter 3, 2 through 3. God said through the prophet, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will set as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold or silver. The ancient uh, artisan in silver and gold knew when the dross, the impurities were burnt off by the refiner's fire, when they could look into the piece of silver or gold and see their reflection. Now listen to this from Pastor Jim Simbola. This is exactly how it is with our spiritual refining process. God's eternal plan is for us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Jesus Christ continues today as the refiner and purifier of His people. As He carefully works on our lives, He keeps looking into us to see His own blessed reflection. And I want to add something to that beautiful insight. The way that Jesus works through us to bring about that refiner's fire so that there are no obstacles in the way, that the dross and the impurities are burnt off, so that God is sanctifying us and setting us apart is through the power of his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, do not quench that spirit. Don't let venting talk, gossip. Don't let your own feelings get in the way so that the Holy Spirit says, I, I want to help you, but I can't. Don't try to throw all the linoleum out the window alone. Invite this partnership with the Holy Spirit. Literally, I'm asking you when you pray, please, when you pray, say, Holy Spirit, be the refiner's fire with me. Burn off the impurities. I want God to see his reflection in me. Now, that leads to this last truth, truth number three. Keep knocking and keep the Spirit's flame alive. Third meaning, 
third insight from Do Not Quench the Spirit, it's this. Choose never to allow the flame of God's Spirit to go out. Choose never to allow it to go out. Folks, there's a lot of ways that we choose to do that. Some people just walk away from God. Some people get mad and blame God. Uh, some people become so discouraged they think there is no God. Those are all tactics from the enemy to keep us from, from the flame. God wants us to literally fan this flame. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6-10, through 10, the Apostle Paul tells a young pastor named Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, did you grab that? We have to be active. We have to be willing to partner with God, not just to, on, on the backside, not to just stifle the flame, but to fan it. Fan the flame. I have this wonderful fireplace at my home. And I intentionally made sure that Kay and I could burn a real wood fire. But, you know, I've noticed it takes more work. I've got to put logs on, and sometimes i got to fan the flames so that they get larger. That's exactly what Paul was saying to a young Timothy. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. And I want to... I want to just give you this footnote before we close. Be aware that as much as the Holy Spirit wants to see you combust into a beautiful flame of bold love and grace for God, the enemy of your soul wants to come against you. Now, now listen to this. In Ephesians 6, 16 through 18, Paul writes, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, just grab this. The very word that Paul used for the Thessalonians for quench, he uses the same word in Ephesians for extinguish or quench the arrows of the enemy. As much as God is for you, the enemy is against you. But if God is for us, who can be against us? No matter what you're going through right now, I want this message to have an application. I, I don't want you to worry or think about your past. I want you to focus on the grace of God right now. Through the power of God's Holy Spirit, 
You can ask Jesus to be your Savior, and He will set you apart and begin to sanctify you through the power of God's Holy Spirit. We will all be tempted to quench the Spirit of God because of our, our sins, our own way of wanting to do things, but we have to keep knocking in prayer. Don't give up. If you're on the edge of giving up, don't. Don't do it. Reach out to us on the chat line. Ask a friend to pray with you. If you feel like things are not working in your life, just know that God is for you. Now, Satan is alive and well. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. Paul told us that. We can't see Satan as a person or a demon. But, but And I'm not here to sensationalize that. But what I am here to tell you is this. Do not quench the Spirit of God. And prayer fans that flame. Prayer burns that flame bright for God. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned. God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? That's why it is crucial that we pray. A prayer warrior from years ago, Elizabeth Elliot, said, prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between His will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. The Holy Spirit of God is interceding for you with moans and groans that words cannot express. You are not alone. Just remember all of the do's. We've covered all the do's of prayer and keep knocking, but there's a warning. There is a don't. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't extinguish or stifle the Spirit, but instead keep the Spirit's flame alive and white hot for God. Prayer does that. And God is ready to help if you'll just reach out. So can I pray for you? Get your hands out there. God, we want to become white hot for you. We can see things in our lives that quench and put out the Spirit's fire and flame. There, there are struggles and sins and attitudes and, and rebellions that we partake in. And sometimes we don't even want to do it. We just end up going our own way. Being led by our, our fears and our doubts and our emotions. Forgive us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, clear the path to create this intense white fire hot for Jesus to be a world changer. And God, if there's any friends out there right now that are thinking, I need that kind of fire. I need that white hot flame. God, right now, I pray that they would ask for forgiveness and repent. And, and Jesus, just hear their request and Holy Spirit work to change and transform their lives. We believe prayer is essential. Long after this message is done, help us to keep knocking trust you, God. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I'm, I'm excited. 
I'm so excited for you. Tell us how, in the coming days, tell us how God is, is just igniting your life for him. Tell us about how, how you're able to uh, remove the dross, the debris, the impurities through the power of the Holy Spirit. And let us know how God is transforming your life because that's what every one of us needs. I love you so much. Thank you for hanging with us through this series, Keep Knocking. And I want to encourage you, keep knocking, keep coming to God. And remember this, you're loved. Until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus.